0: The 2022 season is finally underway, and we have now seen the first four cars. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 166, and today we are going to be discussing the first part of the 2022 Formula One car launches. Today, I am joined by Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast.
1: Hello.
0: Ray Tan from the Everyday podcast. Hi and Jawad Jakob from the Hit the Apex podcast. Hey, how's it going? So the first four cars that we have seen so far have been from Haas, Red Bull, I can't really say that we actually saw a car from Red Bull, Aston Martin and McLaren. So, Aaron, we'll start with Haas. While we haven't seen a physical car yet, we have seen the renders, we have seen the livery, and I think it's pretty clear that we have seen some indication from their renders what this car is going to look like
1: yeah so it looks very similar on the face of it to the 2021 car with the the blue and white livery and obviously the the shaping of it is different because of the new regulations but really i think it's quite a tidy little car i think what we've seen in the renders is very close to what we're going to see on the track because it doesn't look quite as similar as the red bull to the the stock sort of car that they launched in Silverstone—it doesn't strike me as a car that's radical. That, well, apart from the side pods, which look quite narrow, but overall, I think it's it's just going to be a, a baseline car for for Haas to sort of get to grips with. Who knows where they are financially and how much development they've got to do with this? Yeah, so it's not quite as Russia as it was in twenty twenty one. I think that the the red and the blue and the white are a little bit more subtle in places, especially on the engine cover. Whereas like last year, you had the red lines sort of outlining a flag. So it looked a little bit more obvious this year. They look more like red and white bands or blue bands even. So it's a tidy livery. It looks like a decently shaped car. How well it will go on the track is obviously still yet to be seen, but... I mean, pretty much anything is an improvement on what uh, Mazepin and Schumacher had to drive last year.
0: Well, we don't, we don't actually know that just yet, but it uh, we, we could go further south for Haas. But Ray, this is a car that um, Haas have been working on. They didn't develop their 2021 car. They, they spent their entire focus on this car. And as you as we can see, you know, it's very tapered. It's very streamlined, much more streamlined than the other cars that we have seen So far. So would you take that as a, as a positive to come from Haas that they've, they've taken a different design approach and it could well pay off for them in the future.
2: Personally, I'm hoping this will work out for Haas because Haas has, well, sacrificed 2021 in favor of 2022. They now have Ferrari Ferrari technical support from Simone Resta. If they don't, well, move make a leap forward they are in trouble because i don't think gene has is going to continue to fork out money to promote his hair cnc and machine company and we you know if dimitri must been, he could he could well just buy into the team because he just wants to keep his son in formula one and if in this design direction i'm not sure how radical it is because i as we all know he showed a rather i would say early stage version of the car. so we will see on track how it goes, but hopefully for Schumacher, it will be a car that will allow him to show off his talents on track and get the Ferrari seat sooner rather than later.
0: It is going to have to be a car that, uh, well, at least makes them fairly competitive. And Jad, like, given just how poor they were last season and how much time they've spent on this car, what realistically do you think that Haas are going to be able to achieve this season? Are they going to be competing with the likes of Alfa Romeo and Williams, who we expect to sort of still be nearer the back, or are they going to make a significant leap because they've spent this much time on this car?
3: I don't think that they're going to make that significant leap. I think they'll probably just join onto that back of the midfield like because it's such a competitive midfield, and I'm sure they'll all be fighting for points at some point. Um, in this season so yeah they'll probably be around same place Alfa Romeo and Williams it will be interesting as Ray said as well with you know Simone Resta coming in as a technical director or you know overseeing their own kind of in-house development as well which is different to what they've done in previous years having gotten as many parts as they could from Dallara, um, the chassis and then whatever they could from Ferrari so What they've had fundamental problems with for the last, you know, three years since 2019 is just being able to understand what is fundamentally wrong with a car. It took them so long to figure out what went wrong. And then by the time they did, we get to 2020, they had a semi-good car that was good enough to be in the midfield again. But then, you know, we got COVID, then... They had to shut down, financial trouble hit, and they couldn't further develop that car. So hopefully Haas can get themselves back to that point or, like, you know, claw their way back to where they were 2018. Maybe I don't think it's going to be that good for them yet. But, you know, to be fighting regularly to get out of Q1, maybe picking up a point here or there, you know, I think Mick Schumacher will you know, in his second season, really step it up and um, put himself on the map as well. And then, yeah, we'll see what, what the other other fellow Mazepin does. But, yeah, I think they're not going to be making a significant step. They're definitely just going to join that battle with Williams and Alfa Romeo for points here and there.
0: I think you make an incredibly important point about Mick Schumacher. Never is he really in this first season in any new category of motorsport. Has he ever set the world on fire and he's always come, come good in his um, second season. So maybe we can expect something from Mick Schumacher um, with a year under his belt. Again, Nikita Mazepin. Yeah, I think it's a lot. <laughs> a lot needs to be seen from him. But from Haas, we now move on to the second card, uh, second team that revealed their car. But, Ray, it was more their livery that they revealed because Red Bull, they basically just show... The model that we saw from from the FIA and Formula One, and just stuck their own livery on it, did they?
2: I think well, pretty much that was what it was because when I first saw the car, the first thing that came to my mind actually was, why does the car look so familiar? And then you know, more day by day, more articles come out. Hey, it's actually the show car, and uh, Christian Horner just pretty much admitted that you know we just bought a show car and we slapped our livery on it. So I mean, I guess this is something we should probably should have expected from Red Bull because it is Red Bull, they will not show their cards you know, early to everyone. But yeah, I think this is, it was a bit disappointing because I think we probably expected more than just a short car, but this is just what we got. So I guess testing will be interesting how they perform it and we'll see the actual RB18 on track then.
0: Yeah, we haven't seen any sort of shakedown footage that uh, Red Bull usually do either a day or so after their launch. So it's clear that they're keeping this under wraps until the um, the team test in Barcelona, which I believe by the time this comes out, is next week. So, Jared, is this a sign from Red Bull that they're either keeping their uh, cars very close to their chest and that they don't want Mercedes lurking about, or is it that they've a lot of confidence in what they produce that they don't need to show it and they just want to uh, reveal it out on track?
3: I think it's probably more the former uh keeping the cards close to the chest obviously they spent a lot of time trying to develop their car last year for the t- championship battle and there was always a question mark as to whether they might have compromised their development for this year's car I don't think you know we're going to find out just yet and you know it's just going to keep us curious as to what they roll out when they come to the um, pre-season testing whether you know if the limited coverage there will be for barcelona if we'll actually get um you know any images and whatnot but yeah i think they're just going to be keeping their cards close to their chest mercedes obviously don't reveal their car until next week so it'll be interesting to see if they will show their hand but yeah red bull it's a Tough one, you know, because there haven't there hasn't been a lot of noise being made about whether they've whether they've hit the mark and whatnot. And you know, with Honda kind of playing their role in the background, as uh, compared to last year where they were very much involved. It's a big question mark over Red Bull. I can't really say whether they're going to be hot or not right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's uh, the ambigu- <laughs> ambiguity that comes with uh, not actually releasing their car. And Aaron, well, they've got a, they've got something to lose this year for the first time in a long time. You know, they do have a, a driver in the car who is the reigning world champion. They missed out on the constructors' championship last year, which is something that if they have properly developed this car, it'll be something that they're going to want to fight for. So going this cur- this cautious this early on must show that their intent is that they don't want to give Mercedes anything.
1: Well, it's a case of the mind games starting already because Red Bull were saying, well, we don't want to show you everything that we've got until we see what you've got. So whether Mercedes then try and call their bluff and and show their, their full car on Friday, or if they just sort of hold back a little bit, remains to be seen. Um, but we're going to see what everybody's got come testing and then come the first race in Bahrain, so there'll be no hiding it then. It could be a clever way to go about it, but then they're always saying that Adrian Newey is the best designer in in the business. So if he is the best designer, why not show what he's produced and show it off? Because you know sometimes in competitive sport you simply need to out your your opponent. And Mercedes is a big brand. You're going to have to match them for 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 macho and show what you've got. It's a little bit disappointing, really, that they've just slapped their livery on the the show car because I think we were all very, very keen to see exactly what Max would be uh, task, would be given to defend his world championship. And at the moment, we're sort of left in the dark, which as fans is really frustrating because you can't look at it and go, well, that's going to work well. That's not going to work so well. This will help Checo or this won't help Checo because in you can start formulating like predictions and opinions so for them to to just slap it on the on the concept car is is disappointing but then once we get onto on the track there won't be any hiding because the stopwatch never lies
0: yeah exactly i think we're all especially red bull fans or really anyone really interested to see what red bull are going to produce they are going to be looking to anything that comes out of barcelona they are going to they are going to be looking very closely cuz while it's not being extensively covered like the test in Bahrain will I do believe that formula 1 are still going to be publishing some videos and images of what goes on so we may get a slight sneak uh, preview in, in the sort of the coming weeks of what we, we might expect uh from Red Bull but for now we're very much um uh, in the dark now we move on to a team who said with the first team to say that we're going to show our real car and boy did uh, did they actually show us something very different, Jalad? Uh Aston Martin, new color green, you know, no more pink on the car. In my personal view, it looks exactly what the Aston Martin of last year should have looked like. And they've gone with some very interesting design choices.
3: They have. And the first thing that kind of strikes me when I look at the car is the side pods and the vents that are on them and just how Kind of bulky it looks from the rear. You know we're so used to seeing the the coke bottle end to the car, leading to the exhaust and then to the rear wing and everything that we've seen for so many years now since the V6 hybrids came in. But yeah, Aston first car to go in the opposite direction with this new era, and then being able to actually see the shakedown that they did at Silverstone as well after the launch and just how high the nose sits as, or the front wing sits as well. It kind of, you know, reminds you of those old ground effect cars that they're trying to emulate. But, you know, as much as, you know, some people kind of were worried coming into this new set of regulations that they're going to be too prescriptive. We're not going to see unique cars. I think Aston Martin, the first one to come out and say, yep, this is our concept. And so far, you know, the other car that we've seen that we'll talk about um, later you know, two different two different concepts, two different style of car. And yeah, I think a statement of intent from Aston Martin. And like you said, just with the livery, you know, they should have had this sort of livery last year. But I think, you know, learning from what went wrong last year and you know how far behind they were this year's really got to be the year that they um prove that they're not here to mess around.
0: Yeah. I mean, Aaron, it's a it's a mean looking car. But this year, he has got to deliver. You know, we saw how, you know, in the build-up, you know, Lawrence Stroll was kind of playing it down and all the drivers were playing it down, saying this is the start of a five-year plan, which, of course, will then end in about um, 2026 when all the new engine regulations and everything come in. But realistically, you know, with the way that these regulations are and how big of a shift these regulations are, if this design from Aston Martin pays off, they could be doing they could jump up the order very quickly
1: yeah they could and this is a, a team that's done well in the past with not very much so it's interesting to see how they handle as a business the the fact that they've got a lot more budget to throw at the car the extra research and development hours they can put into it the extra things they can experiment with as well like these, these vents you see on the side pod i mean i've I'm not a technical guy, so I don't really know what they're for, but I'm sure they're there for some reason. Um, but I, I quite like the shape of the side pods where it seems to sort of tuck under uh, a little bit more than, than some other cars that we've seen so far. And it is a big gear for Aston Martin. They've got to get this, this right. The car looks mean and it looks racy, like you say. The, the colours, you look at it and it just screams racing car and the Aston Martin colours, which is like uh, Jawad and yourself have mentioned, it's what it should have looked like last year. But don't be fooled into thinking that there is a five-year plan. Of course, if this car delivers and is on pole position week in, week out, they're not going to want to mess around and wait five years to win the World Championship. Um, they're going to want to win right now. And they've got a driver in Sebastian Vettel who will want to do that if the opportunity arises. And I'm pretty sure Lawrence Stroll would like to do that as well. So, how far this car jumps them up the order obviously remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful because it, it looks really good. But unfortunately, if it looks good,
0: it doesn't always mean it is good. Yeah, we, uh, we've definitely seen um, many different <laughs> cars in the past that have stunning liveries, but have then dropped to the back uh, of the grid. But Ray, you know, this is a bold state. You can say that it is a bold statement from Aston Martin. This car. It's shown clear intent that they were not they were not willing to really hide anything. While there may be changes at Barcelona and Bahrain and the start of the season to come, they are very much putting their front foot forward and saying this is what we're going to be working with. And given that a lot of teams may not be doing that, I think it. I think you would agree that it it shows sort of very. It shows intent from Aston Martin that they do want to be a team that is fighting at the front.
2: Yeah, I think Aston Martin do want to fight the front of the field. Last year was a bit of a disappointment for them. And like, um, like we discussed earlier, if the car is winning, you know, on day one, there's no point. We're not going to wait five years. We're going to try to win today and in this season. And yeah, I think they have to drive the best in Sebastian Vettel. And I think Lawrence Stroll and Lance Stroll will also be hungry to try and snatch some victories. And, you know, even potentially, you know, Deliver on the promise that he showed, that that uh, Lance showed in his junior career. So it could be interesting. It could go, it could do, it could go. You know, performing all the way in the front, or it could become a disappointment like we had last year. And hopefully, I hope for because I, I want to see battle fighting at the front once again. I hope that you know it will be a success for Aston Martin. If not, at least you know they will be somewhere near near the front. If if they're not at the front. And it, I think it's a project that we should look, you know, with a lot of interest and see how it goes from
0: here. It's, it's going to be a big year for Aston Martin. They've, you know, Lauren Stroll has put so much effort, so much money into this project that he kind of now needs to start paying off for him. But they may have a tough, uh, tough battle with the team that we're going to talk about next, Aaron uh, McLaren, who have come out with an incredibly bold livery. And as we were kind of talking earlier, Jawad mentioned, a different concept to Aston Martin. They have, they've not gone down the Red Bull approach of showing a show car that it does look very much like a car that they would be putting out on track. But yeah, very bold colors, very different design to the Aston Martin. But it's another, it's another car that looks mean and it looks like it could do the business.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, the word striking jumps to mind when I see this livery. There's a lot going on. um, And the orange and the blue is a bit of a a nod to the golf livery from last year and years gone by and incorporating the black is um i think a nod towards the partnership with Arrow osp and they've got their their four machines there the formula one the car the extreme e and the shadow car all in very very similar liveries which is really good for the mclaren brand because it brings everything under sort of one Branding umbrella, and like you mentioned, it is a different concept. Like I mentioned with the side pods on the Aston Martin, where they sort of tuck under, and the airflow would probably go closer to the ground. It looks like the McLaren have kept the the higher side pod entry from a front view, which I'm just looking at at the moment. But then to do that, the the side pods are actually more square on the outside. They sort of run down towards the floor a bit more. Obviously, all the cars will look pretty similar because like we've mentioned that the rules are fairly prescriptive but there is some element of variation within that it's a mean looking car for sure and you're going to notice it when it's on screen on the telly or if you're at the track it obviously it's bright orange you're going to notice it so mclaren are, are doing all the right things they're they're ticking the boxes in terms of putting their delivery their there for people to see and it, people will want their their name on this car because it's a car that you can notice it's not just going to blend in with everybody else like last year the aston martin and it's darker green looked really similar from a distance to the mercedes and you couldn't always tell them apart you can always tell it's a mclaren because it's bright orange and now the, the blue just highlights that a little bit more um so that might be a really helpful way of getting them more sponsorship and then in turn that brings more money more developments and hopefully it's a whole big snowball effect from there. And McLaren are a team that are well-positioned to do something special this year. They've waited for it, and their fans would thoroughly deserve it because they've stuck through some tough times with them.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point, Aaron. I was going to uh, bring it up to Ray that it did kind of appear last season that McLaren stopped their development of their car, maybe sort of midway through the season because of just the... they were doing so well and they would keep developing and then they just hit it like a cliff and they kind of just started falling a bit and definitely uh, stopped competing with Ferrari. So if that is the case with McLaren and that they did stop developing their car, do you reckon it, it could pay off for this year? Because as Aaron mentioned, we've seen this slow climb from McLaren slowly, slowly. Is this the year that we start seeing more regular McLaren podiums and potentially more wins.
2: Personally, I think yes, we could definitely see a lot more McLaren podiums or even wins this year. The McLaren have been steadily improving across the years from those disastrous Honda days. They now have two hungry drivers with Lando Norris and Daniel Ricardo. I think, you know, it is going to be a very interesting, you know, to see how see how they perform this year. Last year, they managed to recover basically lose almost no performance on track despite you know being somewhat handicapped because of the tokens because they switched from Renault to Mercedes and how they adapted the car. I think it's, it, is, it is a very good positive to sign from last year and hopefully they'll carry it to, on to this year. And I, I just think, you no, know, it would be nice to see McLaren winning, winning, you know, on a regular basis again, because last year was a great start and hopefully they can build the momentum and, you know, imagine someday in the near future we'll see a McLaren champion once again.
0: Yeah, hopefully. But finally with you, Jaad, I think there is some hesitation around McLaren given just how poorly they managed to um to adapt to the 2017 regulations. They, you know, to be honest, their their time in the turbo hybrid area has been very poor, and their adaptation to new regulations hasn't always been the best. So there could be some hesitation with whether or not McLaren have actually hit the nail on the head this time.
3: Yeah, and Unfortunately, I felt a bit of that hesitation when reading a bit more about the car, as big a McLaren fan as I am, particularly around the suspension and how they've gone down the route of changing from push-rod front suspension to pull-rod front suspension, which has apparently not been done since Ferrari back in 2014 or 2015. And... We knew how competitive the Ferrari was back then. And they switched to push rod on the rear suspension. So why they've made this change, it is pretty radical. Whether it pays off or not remains to be seen. But I think, you know, ultimately I have faith in the likes of James Key you know, with Andreas Seidel there. This is the first year that they've been able to develop around the Mercedes power unit, you know, properly from day dot as well to properly integrate it. And, you know, they've they've had a lot of years to learn from their mistakes. And, you know, as you said, with 2017, they Um, had a pretty poor year chassis side power unit side and all that so they've they've learned you know you'd hope they've learned from the mistakes they made then the mistakes they made in 2018 when they switched to Renault power and realized that a lot of their problems were on the chassis side so yeah it could go one of two ways I think you know with with the way that they've gone with the MCL 36 so Let's hope it's uh, it's a positive change and we do get to see them regularly feature on the podium and uh, snag the race win here and there.
0: Yeah, I think we're all expecting this sort of however many years now that um, McLaren have been on the rise to finally start paying off. And I think it may be a testament to the team that uh, That Lando Norris has now signed a a new contract until 2026 I believe or 2025. It's a big deal I think it only rivals maybe Charles Leclerc in terms of um, the length of deal so if Lando has faith in it uh, I think I I, as a McLaren fan also should should maybe have faith in this car and this team but uh, just go quickly round everyone out of out of the four cars that we have seen so far, which one has been your favorite? So start with you, Aaron.
1: I like the Aston Martin. I like the colours of it. It looks really racy, but then the McLaren is really striking, like I said, and it really jumps out at you. Um I think I think I'll have to go with the Aston. It just it just looks so iconic to, to see those Aston Martin colours on a Formula One car at last. It, it it just it's really nice. It's really, really nice to see it.
2: I think I'm going to agree with Aaron. The Aston Martin is just such a stunner because, you know, last year, the last year, actually, was, I was probably one of the few people who liked the pink stripe on the Aston. You know, this year has been replaced by a green line green stripe that we see on the AMR cars in the WEC. But, you know, I like it. It just looks so sexy. It's just like a league above everyone else. The McLaren looks great, like Aaron said, but no, it just can't compete with the Aston. The Eston is just like so many leagues above. And
3: Joe I think it's quite unanimous. Then it's got to be the Aston. I'd love to say the McLaren as well. But yeah, no, the Aston does look the green. They've nailed it this year. The stripe as well. Like Ray said, looks like the um, sports cars, the AMR team there. So no, got to go the
0: Aston. Well, I'm going to kind of go against the grain here and I am going to say the McLaren. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, I while I do... as you really love the the Aston Martin and I feel like it does look so much better than it did last year I think the McLaren, the way that they've they've done it, it's been it's gone so different to how I expected the car to look this year and it looks so nice and it is reminiscent of that golf livery that we saw in Monaco last year which is hands down one of my favourite all-time liveries that I've ever seen so yeah, for me, I'd go the McLaren. So next week, we have, well, I say next week. Over the sort of the next two weeks, we still have six more cars to launch. So starting on Monday, the 14th of uh, February, we have Alfa Tauri before. On the 15th, we have Williams. 17th is Ferrari. 18th, Mercedes. 21st is Alpine. And then Alfa Romeo won't be officially showing their car until the 27th. However, we will see uh, kind of in testing sort of specs from Barcelona they won't be revealing the actual car until after that so again I'll go kind of go around everyone whose car are you looking forward to seeing the most I can probably already imagine what Aaron's answer is going to be but uh we'll go we'll go backwards so Jared out of the the six cars that we're going to see next which one are you looking forward to the most
3: I could easily go three or four of them but um I'd probably say Ferrari just because yeah you know they're it's this is supposed to be their year um, to to get their act together and supposedly fight for the championship again. But, you know, I, I could say Mercedes, you know, how do they follow up um, eight years of dominance in the Constructors' Championship? Alpine, I'd like to see the pink on them now that they've got B- BWT um, sponsoring them. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a bumper week, I think. But let's just say Ferrari for the sake of this um, little discussion.
0: Ray?
2: I would say I've said Ferrari, but Jeremiah to said Ferrari. So I think I'm going to go with Red Bull because they chose a show car and you know the real car is probably gonna look nothing like it, I guess. I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what kind of concept Red Bull is gonna adopt this season because it's let's just say they put a lot of effort to 2021 last year. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to think did the development actually get compromised for this new car, you know, and how will they perform on track because I think Max Verstappen, you know, he claims that he, he wants to stay in Red Bull, but if Red Bull don't deliver him the card that he needs to defend the title or, you know, at least try to defend the title, I just don't see him staying for long. And so I think it's going to be very interesting what they come up with. It's going to be a very, you know, when, the car, when we see the cars on out of track, finally, I think it's going to be quite something because, you know, we're going to look at who's going to be, who has what well, rather you know what kind of best has produced, why are they hiding everything? You know, do they have some kind of some cast kind of, some kind of, kind of loophole that they're just trying to cover. And yeah, hopefully, you know, it will be something good.
0: Okay. And then Aaron, Mercedes? Yeah, the
1: Mercedes is up there because I'm quite intrigued to see what they do in terms of their, their colour scheme. Because there's been talk of them going back to the silver to be the silver arrows. But I think the black is a really strong and important message, and even more so now that they've decided uh, at Formula One to not do the uh, equality gesture before the race, uh, which is a real shame. So maybe Mercedes can quickly give their car a lick of paint to make sure it sends the right message. Um, I agree with Jawad about the Ferrari car. I'm looking forward to that. I agree with Ray about what Red Bull really have, uh constructed so there's just so many unknowns at the moment about so many teams until we get on the track but i think you'd have to say the mercedes is one that we should all be looking forward to because they've been the benchmark team for the last three quarters of a decade and they're going for an astounding ninth constructors in a row which is just just ridiculous it'd be interesting to see what they've done with their side pod design and as well as williams because the McLaren and the Aston Martin both have a Mercedes power unit and have completely different uh, rear end shapes. So it will be interesting to see where Williams and Mercedes have gone. If we've got similarity between the four cars or They've all gone in four different directions.
0: There's still so much up for debate. Uh, for me, I'm kind of a jarred. I'm kind of between three cars. First being the alphatari which no one says, because for me, the last two years, alphatari Tauri have always had a very nice livery and hopefully they can switch up a little bit, um, maybe not mess with it too much. Uh, secondly is the Ferrari. Obviously, I want to see just what Ferrari's approach is going to be to this season. Given that the team kit has already been released and it has a lot of black on it, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, what the uh, Ferrari livery is going to be and and then finally the Alpine because it's going to be pink and I, and I really want to see <laughs> what they what they do with that but I think overall I think Ferrari uh, is the team to of most interest this season because as we said, it's meant to be their year but we've we've seen Ferrari say that they've got a competitive car and then drop to the midfield very quickly. So I guess we'll have to uh, have to wait and see so that's all from us today this show hasn't gone out live but when the season properly gets underway, we will start live streaming our shows once again. And we do that on YouTube as well as maybe some other platforms simultaneously as well in the future. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where this will be posted. And it is also available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Omni Studio, Verbal, as well as the F1 Critical website. So just search for the F1 Grid Talk podcast. We have a back catalogue of sh- of over 160 shows. So if you are wanting to listen to maybe our Abu Dhabi Grand Prix reactions or even just more documentary style shows that we have done in the past, um, feel free to check them out. There's plenty to get you through until the start of the season in Bahrain. Also, if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we will give you a shout-out for. Uh, well, give you a shout out on our next podcast, and any feedback at all is greatly appreciated. We also have a Patreon. So, if you'd like to support the podcast for better mics, lights, like and recording equipment for our hosts, feel free to donate. It's completely up to you, however much you want. So, now I'll get the plugs from everyone else and where you can find you. So, Joe, I'd start with you. Where can we find more from you?
3: Yeah, so you can find the Apex podcast. I'm on Twitter. Uh, at the apex media and podcast itself can be found on most good podcast platforms such as apple spotify google and yeah that's pretty much it i haven't started anything for for this season yet so probably wait another um once we're into testing and everything to to get back up and going and yeah hopefully get a few people on this year a few more guests and yeah looking forward to it
2: okay Andre,
0: where can we find more from you? You
2: can find me, well, on Instagram at EverReady underscore Motorsport and on Twitter, EverReady underscore sport because I couldn't, well, fit all the O in. And you can find me on YouTube at EverReady Motorsport where I make YouTube videos. I haven't made anything so far for this season. But yeah, I'll start
0: soon. Okay. And finally, Aaron.
1: Uh, so you can find the Five Lights F1 podcast on Spreaker, Google, Spotify, uh, and most other podcast platforms. It's also available on YouTube, uh, along with uh, various other videos that I've put together. I'm start. I've already started my content for 2022, where I failed to pick a world champion for the year ahead. And last night, I recorded the second episode with uh, George and Tom, who are also part of the Grid Talk team. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at five underscore red underscore lights, uh, five red lights on Instagram. And I have a uh, blog, which is five red forward slash five RL pod blog, which I realize is now really long. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on all the socials and also my blog where I'm writing some more uh, F1 articles.
0: And if you feel the compelling need to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Uh, it's at l underscore g underscore edwards yeah i tweet the odd thing about the f1 now and again and i also do write for spotlightpro.com giving my opinions on anything f1 really so if you if you want to check those out they're on there i want to thank all my guests for joining me today and we'll be back for part two in due course but until then goodbye